0: You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in the space and enjoy this week's sermon. Here's a poem called Morning Poem by Mary Oliver. Every morning the world is created. Under the orange sticks of the sun, the heaping ashes of the night turn into leaves again and fasten themselves to high branches, and the ponds appear like black cloth on which painted islands of summer lilies. If it is your nature to be happy, you will swim away along the soft trails for hours, your imagination alighting everywhere. And if your spirit carries within it the thorn that is heavier than lead, if it's all you can do to keep on trudging, there is still somewhere deep within you a beast shouting that the earth is exactly what it wanted. Each pond with its blazing lilies is a prayer heard and answered lavishly every morning whether or not you have ever dared to be happy, whether or not you have ever dared to pray.
1: I will not be seeing it's a wonderful life as a solo, but you did a wonderful job. Thank you. <clears throat> Mardi Gras. I, I grew up not really knowing much about Mardi Gras. Anybody else? I mean, we weren't Catholic, we weren't French. Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. Um, we did talk a little bit about Lent. My recollection is Lent was a time when folks wanted me to give something away give stuff up my dad always thought i should give up fighting with my sister i always thought he should give up cussing and those nasty stinky cigars he smoked and truth be told what i wanted to give up was things like vegetables and chores but that kind of kind of fell away from the whole real idea of sacrifice i think right This idea of sacrifice, that we want to stay in touch with uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who who had sacrificed so much for us. But the idea of giving things away was always kind of problematic for me, it seemed like. And that's when, in my little United Methodist Church, we had a minister who I revered, uh, Dr. Jim. Back when most ministers didn't also have doctor, like Reverend Brian will soon. And he had a different perspective. His perspective was maybe Lent isn't a time to give something up, but an opportunity to take something on, to try something on. His reasoning was that the same Jesus of Nazareth took on a lot. You know, bore a cross, faced betrayal from close friends, and chose during his lifetime to get proximate with the marginalized. So I don't know that uh, my theology today is as much about the, the death and resurrection of Jesus as that living Jesus an example of being comfortable with the common people as much as the learned. Yeah, I'd say that maybe my. The Jesus that I still wish to be more like is that one who is willing to be proximate with the marginalized. That showed us more in his living than necessarily his dying. So um, there I am being asked to take something on instead of giving something away. And I said, okay, let's think about that. What might that be? And I tried, I did. I did something for 40 days, that 40 days of Lent. It was prayer. It was daily prayer. And it might seem like it's a thing. It wasn't something I was giving up. It was something I was getting. It was actually a gift to me. Today, I would call it meditation. But it was an opportunity to experience something different. And I think there's one of the things neat about Lent Unlike, say, those New Year's resolutions, I don't have to say, I'm going to do this forever. I want to try this on for 40 days and experience it and see what happens. Don't have to do it forever, but we know that three to six weeks, sociologists tell us, is sometimes enough to form a habit. But even if I don't form a habit, I've at least experienced something, I've at least tried something on, I've at least sucked a little more of the marrow out of life as our friend Henry David Thoreau would have suggested. So that's what it was for me then. And here I am, 45 years later, actually excited about this new Lent. Something to try on. What would you try on? Huh? What about a new genre of music? I recommend Dixieland jazz. Or maybe it's a new habit, maybe it's journaling, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's telling someone that you love them every day for 40 days. Whatever it is, I hope it's a different perspective. Like maybe, maybe look at the world for 40 days as though it's from the eyes of a child. What does it look like, how does it differ? Or if you're younger, like some of the folks I see out here, maybe imagine what it was like if you were going through this world with the perspective of your grandparents who lived in a different time. Whatever it is, I hope that you'll find something that, that you're, you're willing to try that's a little different. And if you're looking for something, I haven't given you something you like. Uh, if we could get a, a slide up here. Um, Reverend Mr. Barb Grieve. 20, 10 years ago, came up with something called UU Lent. You still do Lent. And if we can switch to the next slide, basically the idea is for 40 days there's a word. Like for Wednesday it's ashes, that kind of makes sense. Uh, for uh, the 23rd it's commitment. Uh, 28 is curious, that's a good one. There's a different word for each of those days and what if I tried that word on? I experienced it as I went about my day, I noticed... Where do I see this or think about this? If I have a smartphone, everybody got a smartphone? <clears throat> Most of them have a smartphone. You could take a picture of it, or you could press record for the sound, or you could just go back into your memory and think about where that word shows up today and make a mental picture. It's a neat way to experience the world. I call it theology for non-theologians. Theology to me is just making mean. how do we make meaning out of the things we experience every day? And you'd be doing that, and after 40 days you'd have an interesting collage. Isn't that cool? You go to that pound sign, UU Lent, and you'll find that, and you can just do it. But that's not what I'm gonna do this Lent. Remember where I said earlier that uh, you might try a different genre of music? And I suggested Dixieland jazz was a really good one to try. Well, that's because it is, a, it is such a great art form because it really was experimenting with all different kinds of music. I mean, these, these fellows can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, there's polkas and waltzes and Sicilian music along with Negro spirituals and African-American jazz and blues, they come together in such neat ways. The way those folks tried all this stuff on And we're benefiting from it today, so thanks again. Music can do that. Music can allow us to kind of cross boundaries into a different culture, different experience. Any other folks in the crowd here who identify as white, who love the music of Motown? Yeah, I thought so. Or if you hear Mahalia Jackson singing a gospel song, are not just brought to tears. If you're younger, it might be Rihanna or Drake. But music from a different culture is one thing, but how many of us on a regular basis find ourselves reading books, watching plays and movies by African American or indigenous writers? Some, and that's wonderful. Here's the truth. Up until about six years ago, when I enrolled in seminary, I would say the answer was not much for me. I had heard the names W. E. B. Du Bois, but I didn't. I had never read anything. Bell Hooks. I'm right here in Kentucky. Hadn't read anything she'd written. And the things that I had read from Maya Angelou or Martin Luther King Jr. were the things fed to me by a teacher or the internet. Hardly the way to really understand the perspective and the really rich, wonderful writing of these people. And as for my social justice work, Reverend Bryan, it was generally from a distance. I mean, I marched in parades. I marched the MLK parade and Black Lives Matter, but I generally did it with my congregation, which was a mostly white congregation, as we marched along. I wasn't proximate with the differences. I hadn't taken Marilyn's suggestion to come with her to certain events and experience things proximately. So for Lent this year, here's what I'm doing. I'm gonna be reading. Books written by African-American writers. Octavia Brown, Octavia, Octavia Butler, Adrian Marie Brown, um, James Baldwin, and then that last and final, and I'm told the very best book by Martin Luther King Jr., Where Do We Go From Here? I'm going to expand my Spotify list and listen a little more eclectically. I'm going to seek out those movies by indigenous and and black writers, and then next week, next week I'm going to be someplace very different. I'll be attending a four-day conference, mostly of t- presented by and mostly attended by African-American Christian leaders and seminarians, and I'll be out of my element, and I'll at times be uncomfortable, especially with all that praying. <laughs> <laughs> But this is my opportunity to try something on, experience it, and maybe you'll hear something about it in a sermon in April. (laughs) But either way, I'm excited about it, and I'm excited for however you are going to spend your wild and wonderful next 40 days.
0: Here's another poem by Mary Oliver called Storage. When I moved away from one house to another, there were many things I had no room for. What does one do? I rented a storage space and filled it. Years passed. Occasionally, I went there and looked in, but nothing happened, not a single twinge of the heart. As I grew older, the things I cared about grew fewer, but more important. So one day I undid the lock and called the trash man. He took everything. I felt like the little donkey when his burden was lifted. Things, burn them, burn them. Make them a beautiful fire. More room in your heart for love, for the trees, for the birds who own nothing, the reason they can fly.
2: So now I get to say to Bill asking us to try something on, let it all go. Let it all go. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Who knows these words and have heard them before? In my estimation, they are the most powerful words that are uttered at the beginning of the Lenten season for our Christian friends. Often with a smudge of ash on your forehead, the message is really there. You are dust. Here, we'll remind you, just in case you forget, by putting it on your forehead for everyone to see. Dust. Temporary. Mortal. It is such a contrast to what we celebrate on Mardi Gras. Fat Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday, Pancake Tuesday, whatever you have. Where there's this great celebration of life, food, music, dancing, beads, uproarious jubilee that says, yes, we are alive, Be Alive. Be so alive that you can do nothing other than tell the whole world about it. And then you're dust. (laughs) Remember this. I've always enjoyed this contrast between the two celebrations. That of Mardi Gras and the Lenten season i do not observe this time of year for the same reason as many do but i observe it in the spirit of that contrast life can be so vibrant and yet and yet it reminds us often that it is tragic fleeting somber the whole season of lent is bookended by this remembrance in the christian tradition Celebrate joyfully with Mardi Gras, enter into a season of contemplation, and with Easter, new life once more. This isn't unique to Christianity, but it's probably the example we're most familiar with. The transcendentalist poet Walt Whitman captures this cycle in his great epic poem, Song of Myself. He writes, the smallest sprout shows there really is no death. And if ever there was, it led forward life, and does not wait at the end to arrest it, and cease the moment life appeared. All goes onward and outward. Nothing collapses. And to die is different than from what anyone expected, and luckier. That last line is challenging for me. I do not utter it because it's 100% undeniable truth. Our lives, our world is full of death that does not feel luckier. But that's the heart of the time we're entering into, the struggle with the continuous cycle, the continuous pull of our emotions and experiences. All goes onward and outward, nothing collapses. The reflection we're called into in Lent is not just about mortality, the end of life, and wrestling with that continuous cycle of life, death, life, death, life. I would suggest it's about letting go. I believe that when we look at it that way of letting go, the contrast of Mardi Gras and Ash Wednesday and Lent comes alive, fully alive for us. Celebrate life like the universe depended on it, and now let it go. Let it go and reflect there. I think of all the times in my life when all I needed to do was let go, and a path emerged. A path leading to healing, a path leading to some new adventure, and so on and so on. How many has a story? Who has a story of that? All you needed to do is let go and possibility emerged, right? For me, I'll let you in on a little brief secret here. I always share with folks, I always wanted to be a clergy person of some sort. But I fought it mightily. I rejected it. I saw anything else other than this path right here. I was someone content. I could be a librarian the rest of my life. (laughs) But I also finished a year of urban planning school. How many of you knew that? I contemplated pharmacy school. I even inquired into the mortuary school outside of Chicago. (laughs) I went out of my way to look at any other path. Anything but this. The narrative I told myself consistently was that I was afraid of where the call, whatever that word call even means, was leading. It would manifest as a churning in the stomach. But one day, thanks to my mentor and minister, the late Reverend Ed Searle, and his wise counsel, and at that moment, very blunt counsel, I let it go, and the rest is history. I think of the time I let go of fear and doubt and worry and found myself walking up to a door on the south side of Chicago where my last remaining grandmother lived after almost 30 years of not seeing her or talking to her ringing the doorbell and taking the risk to see if a relationship was even possible. And it led to a few tumultuous, yes, tumultuous years, but also some good moments for my mother and I. And though a continued relationship was not possible or healthy, we were able to give thanks for what was experienced, heal the past and move into a new, uncharted terrain in our lives. I think of all the times in life, advocating for justice, acts of civil disobedience, sitting with my dear colleague, Reverend Esther, in the capital of Kentucky, disobeying the authorities, staring down hateful mobs around Brown County in the fight for marriage equality, and all the times I told myself I couldn't, but I did, the times I let go of what I thought I could do and did something unexpected and wonderful. The call of Lent in giving something up is not just to give up candy or pop or chocolate or red meat, unless, for those of you, they become symbols of something incredibly important, like your health. That's a great reason, right? But no, we let go. We give up something during the season so that we may be emptied of all of our false narratives, the roadblocks, whatever we want to call them, that deny us our own lives. We let go of what is stopping us from pursuing our greatest hopes or that new life-giving adventure or opening ourselves to deeper love in our lives and our relationships. We let those barriers go so that we can have room aplenty in our hearts, our minds for what may yet come. Letting go is not about abdicating our commitment to life. It's about opening up the doorway to life, new life. Now we Unitarian Universalists gather a great deal of folks in our midst who come from other religious traditions. Who, who here was not originally Unitarian Universalist or Unitarian Universalist? Hands down. <laughs> who comes from a tradition that might have been harmful, isolating, theologically damaging, and so on? You don't have to show your hands for this next one. Who's still letting go of that past? or maybe a more appropriate question for today. Who is on the threshold of something new in your life, but that little sometimes painfully loud voice in your mind is telling you you're not good enough for it? Or even yet, who is delayed speaking truth to power, being a force of justice and so on because you think you couldn't even make a difference in this world? Time to work on letting it all go. And you're not alone in that. You are so not alone in that. You think you're alone in that? Look around. (laughs) You're among friends, right, with support for the journey. In letting go, we make room so that we can take on, try on, as Bill was talking about, things that can be transformative, renewing, sustaining. This season is truly about mortality, but not just the one side of it. Because when we talk about mortality, it's always the side we don't want to talk about, the end of life. We pause to remember, yes, that life is worth celebrating, and then we reflect, we let go, we try new practices and mindsets, we rinse and repeat. Our mortality is about all of that. Life, death, fear, freedom, love, hate, letting go, trying on, and it goes onward and outward. Many of us are familiar with bell hooks, the late great black womanist, author, activist, poet, Kentuckian, if you've not read her book all about love, add it to your list. She writes in that, to live fully, we would need to let go of our fear of dying. That fear can only be addressed by the love of living. We have a long history in this nation of believing that to be too celebratory is dangerous, that being optimistic is foolhardy, hence our difficulty in celebrating life and teaching our children and ourselves how to love life. What we do, whether we celebrate Mardi Gras, Skellig night, if, I'd be surprised if anyone did, Lent or not should be a practice in loving life as fragile and tragic and weird, and yes, wondrous and glorious and good, and everything else that it can be. Mardi Gras, Shrove Tuesday, Skellig Night, Pancake Tuesday, whatever you wanna call it, all the other celebrations, pancakes or not, are about loving life. And yes, as the words are uttered the following day, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That is about loving life too. So let go of what's not life-giving. Try on what could be transformative or lead to new life. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy Lunar New Year, the Year of the Dragon, and a renewing season of Lent to you all. Blessed be. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.